What's up, Doc? Good morning! Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Greetings and salutations. Hello, Poppy. Hello there. Kindly ho, neighborinos! You are cleared to land on Ducky Bay 77, a podcast about movies, music, TV, and anything else these guys can think to talk about. Greetings. Hello. Welcome. Hi. How you doing? Welcome to the Docking Bay 77 podcast. I am your host, Dayton Johnson. And on this episode, we are going to discuss Led Zeppelin and their double album, uh, Physical Graffiti. And to do that, I'm bringing back some guests. Uh, first, we have a music lover, musician, and former bandmate, Eric Jason Brock. How are you, Eric? I am very well. How are you, sir? I'm hanging in there. Thanks. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, Eric was here a few months back when we discussed Iron Maiden's recent release, Sinjitsu. So, um, and I know he is a fan of Zeppelin, so why not? And joining me again for the third time, uh, we have artist and fellow hippie, uh, Mike Vermillion. How's it going, Mike? It's going great. Glad to be back one more time. Yep. Mike was here uh, recently. We discussed Pink Floyd's Animals. If you haven't listened to that, check that one out. And also before that, we did the Beatles White Album, which is a great record. So, so yes, like I said, uh, we're going to discuss uh, Zeppelin's double record, uh, Physical Graffiti. And before we get into the record itself, uh, Mike, why don't you tell us how you got into Zeppelin? So um, high school years, hanging out with uh, some of the uh, longer haired jean jacket wearing kind of guys back in the late 80s um my people <laughs> yes exactly the kind of people that we hung out with um going over to a friend's house and, and being exposed to it um actually uh physical freak graffiti was probably one of the first albums i remember them playing for me and stuff like that it, it seems like it's the go-to album uh for led zeppelin so yeah going to friends houses and this was just like the already on the turntable ready to go cool very cool. All right. How about you, Eric? How did you get into Zeppelin? Uh, much later. You know me. Um, I was a child of the 80s hair metal. <laughs> right. In high school, that's what I listened to. So, um, I, I mean, of course, you know, I, I had heard of Led Zeppelin and, and, you know, knew probably the majority of or at least, you know, all the hits or, right. you know, whatever you want to call the hits. But um, I didn't really become a Zeppelin fan till oh, I mean, I was an adult. Um, right if you want to call me an adult now, but um, <laughs> so I was, I, I, I think I was probably much later to the Zeppelin party than, you know, the majority of, of everybody else. Yeah. And that's similar to me. Um, my brother was into Zeppelin when we were kids uh, out in California. Um, I remember the, uh, the concert movie, the song remains the same. I remember him being into that and, so, and he had some of the music, so I got to hear it that way. Um, but my first Zeppelin purchase wasn't a single record. It was actually the uh, box set they put out in the early nineties that had the, um, you know, the, uh, the crop circle cover on it. Um, that they had four CDs, you know, of all basically all their hits and stuff like that. Right. Uh, that was the first thing of theirs I bought. And like you, it wasn't until later um, that I really started buying uh uh, individual records. In fact, it's been over the last couple of years when I started collecting vinyl again, 
Um, I'm actually to the point as far as a studio studio albums, I only need a presence in Coda to finish my collection. So, um, but yeah, it's one of those that as I get older, I think I appreciate the stuff that wasn't released, you know, the non-singles more than um, I used to because I'm yeah, I, I'm the same way. I I tend to like more of the um oh, you know, the the lesser known songs, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So well, cool. Um, so let's get into some facts about the record before we talk about the individual stuff. Uh it was released on February 24th, 1975. So it just uh had its anniversary. Um, it is a double album, as I mentioned before. Uh it runs one hour and twenty-two minutes. So it's not short. Um, it was released on the Swan Song Records, uh, their own label. Um, the band wrote and recorded eight new songs early in 74. And the total playing time covered three sides of records of LP. So they decided to go back to unreleased stuff from previous albums, um, including stuff off of Led Up on Three, Four, and House of the Holy. And they took those songs that didn't make it, and some were reworked, some were rearranged, things like that, to add to the record. The album covers a lot of different genres. Uh, I'm sure we all noticed that when we're listening to it, uh, including hard rock, uh, progressive, folk, blues, uh, straight up rock and roll, and some country as well. And um, the release actually was held up because the record was done and uh, towards the end of was it seven, uh, 74, and it wasn't released until the following year because um, they were finding that the, uh, the album cover, the die cut album cover, which was designed by Peter uh, Corston, um, proved to be very difficult to manufacture. So that's actually what slowed down the release of the record. Um, and I don't know about you, I actually have the vinyl, so I like changing out the uh, the covers and changing it from the the, the letters to the pictures and things right. like that. Um, it was actually commercially and critically successful. It hit number one in the UK and number three in the US on the album charts. Um, real quick, some of the tracks that came from other uh, recording sessions include, um, see, uh, The Rover and Houses of the Holy. And Black Country Woman all were at one point written for uh, Houses of the Holy. Um, I'm going to destroy the name, and I apologize. Uh, <laughs> I your, our uh, air uh, was actually initially written for Led Zeppelin Three, and Down by the Seaside, Night Flight, and Boogie with Stew were all written during the Led Zeppelin Four sessions. So, hmm. anyway, so um, let's discuss our initial impressions going into listening to this and then maybe how they changed afterwards. So, I mean, Mike, you actually, it would sound like you actually had some experience with it before. Um, so going into this, did anything change after giving it a, another, you know, serious listen? You know, one of the things about Zeppelin early on was um, they did a lot of um, wizard and, and enchanted music. Yes. And I, to me, I'm like, this is a complete breakaway from a lot of that style that they, they'd written earlier and stuff like that. Like you said, it's more of a hard rock, um, blues riff. Um, Jim, Jimmy Page is experimenting with slide guitar a lot more. Yeah. Um, you know, Delta Blues. It, it just, to me, I think it's the epitome. 1974, they had been touring a lot. They were at the height of their success. And they got to experiment under their own label. So it's a complete breakaway from all their previous music. If you ask me. Yeah. And actually really that was strong album. That was one of the things I noticed was because um, going into it, all I really knew was the three songs that we all heard on the radio, you know, you had trampled underfoot cashmere and um, oh my God, my brain's just 
the houses of the holy those are the songs i knew going into listening to this record um and i'm going through i'm like man there's a lot of blues i'm like oh there's some country in there too so yeah it um it did sound like a very experimental period for them i mean i know obviously some of the songs were written prior um which maybe it's why i didn't make those cuts was because they weren't ready to put them on you know let's up on four and things like that but anyway um how about you eric did uh your how did you feel going in and did it change coming out well this this album was um it's i've always liked this album and, and back when i was getting into drumming actually right uh, i was taking drum lessons and and my teacher would actually come to my house on the weekends nice. and he was teaching me the wonton song great because <laughs> it's a good workout for your right foot yes and um and so and i really liked that song because i think bonham you know really shines on that song yes so i kind of got into this record I mean, obviously, like Led Zeppelin Four, you know, everybody knows that. But right. this was actually one of the first ones that I that I really kind of got into. Oh, and awesome! It was because of that. So okay, cool. Yeah, see, like I said, I came to this one pretty late. This was one of the ones that uh, I bought uh, probably early last year, and so it's only been in the last year that I really had a chance to sit down and listen to it. Um, and I do agree. Uh, we'll get to that later too about the Wanton song. So okay. I wasn't impressed when I first sat down to listen to this all the way through, like, you know, for this uh, particular episode. Um, but I got to tell you, the more I listened, uh, the better the record that got, it got, like I kept hearing different things. I kept hearing, Oh, that's what they were doing. That's okay. I get it. You know? And so it's, I definitely think it's one of those that on an initial listen, maybe you don't get it. Um, Cause you know, Les up in one and two, I mean, the earlier stuff, it, it kind of, get you in really quick this one i think you have to be a little more patient with but so and i'm very i'm very happy i picked it up because i've really grown to like this record quite a bit you know what i found is i i this whole week at work in my office i listened to just this album right and i i also found it interesting that it's it's a really good album just to have on in the background yes it is you know what i mean when i wasn't necessarily 100 percent paying attention to it it was still good so i thought that was kind of cool yeah i was I was just going to say the same thing that Eric said. It's, it's a great background album. Um, and if, if you have a good CD player where you could put them, load them in four at a time <laughs> and listen to the album and it's a continuation, it's, it's, it's one of those, I like to sit around and, and do art with this album in the background. Yeah. It, it made work uh, easier to handle over the last few weeks. Cause that's what I was doing. I would pretty much listen to this and then I would, you know, switch to something else for a while. Then, but every day I probably listened to this at least two or three times um, going through. So, but yeah, it's, um, it's a, it's a pretty solid record, but we'll get into that a little bit more. So let's get into some favorite tracks. Um, does anybody want to just, you know, discuss the, like I said, the three that we know beforehand, or you just want to get into the other ones first? <laughs> well, what three are you saying are the most known houses of the holy? Yeah, trampled underfoot and cashmere because those are the ones you you hear on the right, on the radio. Okay. So, which are all good, you know. And the only thing I don't like is where they're placed on the record because they're in the middle. And a lot of times, I kind of like when you know. And the thing is, trampled underfoot was actually the only single released. So, which tells me the DJs said, "Oh, we're playing cashmere," and oh, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna play House of the Holy too. So. um, but I mean, and all three of those are really good. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't have any complaints about those three tracks. You know what I mean? Right. So, I mean, 
feel free. If that's what you want to start, I'm cool with that. How about you, Mike? Out of those three, do you have a favorite of those particular three? That, on side two, obviously, Cashmere is my favorite. I think it's it's the Led Zeppelin song to introduce people to Led Zeppelin. Just Stairway to Heaven was our introduction to it, I think. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Cashmere is great. I, whatever reason, I always feel like I want to be driving. I was, I was just going to say, is there a better <laughs> song to drive at night to? No, I don't think Cashmere. so. And no. the th- I, I kind of, I kind of think of it almost like the theme from Jaws. You know how that done up, done. I mean that that the Cashmere riff is just throughout that whole song. Yeah, you know what I mean, and it it just it kind of gave me that same vibe as the Charles theme. I don't know why that jumped in my head, but it did. But now, now I'm going to think about that every time I hear that song. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> no, that's quite all right. No, I love that movie and I love that music. So, um, but and then actually, I read that Cashmere started off as an instrumental. You know, it was, I could uh, see that. Yeah, and I guess um, Plant wrote the lyrics when he was uh, in Morocco, which totally makes yes. sense. We start listening to the lyrics, <laughs> so. No, great song. Um, and I find it funny that Houses of the Holy didn't make it onto that track, uh, onto that record, but we kept it for this one. Yeah, um, that was my note was I can't imagine them thinking that song wasn't good enough to be on that album because well, I love that song. Yeah, yeah, I, I do too. Um, I did read that they kind of felt it was too similar uh, to uh, Dancing Days and um, Dire Maker, I believe it is. A couple of those tracks they felt it was a little bit too similar to, which is why they left it off. Because it's definitely a great song. So I think, yeah, they, from what I read, it was left off because it was too similar. I'm glad they put it on this. So great song. I mean, both of them are. I mean, Trampled Underfoot is always the one. Um, like when it came on, when I started listening to it, I'm like, you know, well, I know this one. It's like, you know, it's it's a it's a good song. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, that's um, one of my favorite Zeppelin songs just for any album, let alone this album. Oh, really? Okay, cool. Uh, yeah. I, that and I guess Custard Pie, when John Paul Jones plays the clavinet. Yes. It's just It's so groovy. And I just, I really dig that. So. Yeah, yeah, very, very cool. 
All right. Um, so what do you guys think of Night Flight? That's my favorite song on the record. Very cool. All right. Yeah, it's actually, it's one of my favorites too. Um, I love, I love Plant's vocals throughout and the guitar is really, it's got a great uh, groove to it. Yeah. You know, I, uh, when I'm at work, I found myself tapping along my feet and like, you know, here I'm walking and bopping my head along. And I sometimes wonder what people see me doing. was like, what are they, what's he listening to? Because <laughs> I definitely, you know, let the music uh, affect me. Um, right. I definitely think it's one of the better songs on the second half of the record. That, that's just my opinion. But yeah, it's a great song. What about you, Mike? What do you think? I, I agree with you guys on that one. Um, you know, it's it's. I'm, I'm looking at the, the album track listing, and I, I'm like, geez, there's so many good songs. <laughs> like, yeah, how do really we is. dissect any of this stuff? I mean, it's just yeah. But so yeah, Night Flight is definitely one of one of my favorite. And, Again, it's, it's it's fortunately it was a, uh, a shorter song on the album. You know, um, a lot of the songs were six minutes or pushing, you know, five minutes and stuff like that. And and, and so this one is just kind of in and quick and, and gets to the point. Yeah, yeah, and that's and we'll get to uh, the longest song here a little later, <laughs> and what I think about that one. Um, why don't we mention? Oh, talk about the Wanton song because I know you already brought that up and. What a great riff in that song too. Yeah, all, all the music in that in that whole song. I mean, you know, John Bonham's great on it. Jimmy's great yeah. on it. You know, Paul, it's just definitely one of my favorite songs in the record as well. Particularly, but obviously the drums, because and one of the things I noticed, and correct me if I'm totally nuts, it throughout the entire record, it kind of felt like Bonham was just finding a groove. Like there wasn't, a, he wasn't being very flashy. You know what I mean? No, he there's all, almost all the songs do groove for sure. Yeah, but yeah, he wasn't showing off or anything. I did, you know what I mean? He was just a rock drummer on this record. Yeah, I mean, because it's not like we haven't seen him. You know, we know we knew. I mean, now especially then we were probably four years old but uh obviously we everybody knew what a great drummer he was so it kind of felt like this time when they were just like i'm just gonna play you know i'm just gonna play what fits the song and but yeah and that actually with the questions later the best drum performance i actually was kind of struggling to find one that stood out but we'll get to that but yeah it's it that's one of the things that kind of surprised me was he was just kind of there laying down a solid beat throughout the entire record and not really um, 
you know, there was no rock and roll. There was no, uh, you know, immigrant song or anything like that. On this right. that was, but there, is, there is a lot of groove. There is a lot of groove. And that's, that's one of the benefits of this. So, um, so uh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I think in the timeline of Zeppelin and, and their career, um, they were really coming off of jamming in concerts. You know, they, they would yeah. have these jam sessions between songs. And I think that influenced this album to a certain extent. And I think it's where Bonham, again, to me, the, the, the beautiful thing about John Bonham is that he, he plays drums. He fills notes that need to be filled. But it'll also leave an empty space if it needs to be empty. Yeah. 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 I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. yeah. He, uh, you know, it's one of those things that I got, you know, later in life that I really truly appreciated how good he was. And unfortunately, by the time I figured that out, he was gone. So yeah, I was the same way. I never, yeah. I never even thought about him as a drummer until, you know, much later in life. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, um, then let's do this. Uh, what do we think? Uh, we want to talk about custard pie because you already mentioned that and you're right. I mean, the clavinet, I mean, geez, uh, the, just the, that's what stood out, you know, in the bass on that particular song stood out to me. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, it's a good opener too. you know, nice way to open the record kind of sets the mood for the rest of the record. Yeah. I really, for me, the clavinet just makes that song. Yeah. It's, it, that, the clavinet riff is just so groovy. I love it. Yeah. It's, yeah, and it took me a while to, like I said, this record took me a little bit to get into. Um, but yeah, it's like the more I listened to it, I was like, yeah, that's that's pretty damn good. <laughs> I, I think what happens in this album is is that um, John Paul Jones gets to come a little bit from the background up to the forefront. Which makes sense um, because at one point during the recording, uh, when they actually returned to record because they started recording and then they had to give up the space because bad company was coming to record. And then they came back and between those two sessions, jump on Jones basically said he was ready to quit. He was very frustrated and um, their manager said, take a vacation and then come back and see how you feel. And he came back and, you know um, yeah, I definitely think he stands out um, in a number of these songs actually. Yeah. So, but yeah, cool. All right. I want to mention uh, Boogie with Stu. Uh oh. <laughs> we hit one that Eric didn't like. <laughs> I was waiting how that how long that would take. <laughs> okay, so let me just tell you what I think, and then you can go ahead and rant on my brain. Uh, you like, so okay, so you like it? I actually do like this song. Um, it's it's just fun, I guess, to listen to. I can just picture the guys sitting around in a small dive bar somewhere playing to like a crowd of like just a crowd of friends that just showed up and they're all drinking together and they just sit down and playing. That's just the image I kept getting in my head every time the song came. And at first I didn't I didn't dig it. And then later I kind of was like, 
oh, this is cool. I like this. It has a nice feel to it. And it sounds different than a lot of the other stuff they did. And they really did lean into the blues a lot more, I think, than previous records. Um, you mentioned the slide guitar and stuff like that. So I like this song. Mike, are you going to back me up or is it? <laughs> I like Boogie Wiss too. I, okay. Yeah. Again, they're just chilling and, and I think they're they're having fun, like you said. Um, I, it was an outtake off of uh, Led Zeppelin Four, Right. Um, and so, you know, it's kind of one of those things where they're playing and you got Ian, Ian Stewart from the Rolling Stones. Stones, right. Behind, sat in on this and I think you're dead on. It's just a couple guys just jamming. And thank God somebody was sitting in the studio and hit record. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Which happens sometimes, you know, just, yeah. just messing around. So, okay. So I'm now I'm curious, Eric, what don't you like about it? I, I'm not a fan really of what, 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 what do you call it? Ragtime piano, I guess, or. Okay. I'm just, I'm just not a huge fan of that genre. So, and that's but, basically what that song sounds like to me. So. So I kind of took you out of it. I got you. Of, uh, I mean, right from the get go, I'm like. Well, I mean, there's only, let's see, let me look on here real quick. There's two songs on this album that I don't like, and that's one of them. So. Okay, yeah, th- actually, there's only two songs on here that I listed that um, I skip. So, and we'll get right. to that a little later. So, it's interesting that you and I, um, it's funny sometimes how, you know, because I was curious about how many songs you didn't like or liked on this record. So, so far, <laughs> there's so, always some, there's always one song that you love and I hate, or vice versa, <laughs> which makes it fun, you know. Yep. Now, um, uh, down by the seaside, uh, this was actually uh, left over from uh, four, I believe it was. Right. Uh, yeah. uh, the the first part and the I guess third or last part are are nice. And they're it's 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 kind of comforting. I don't know, but man, that middle section where it really picks up totally makes the song. So far away, so far away. They have to amend what I said earlier. There's actually two and a half songs that I don't like. <laughs> um, Down by the seaside is like kind of halfway for me. All right, I'm yeah, guessing that I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> if if I, I'm with Eric on this one, it, it the Down by the seaside kind of it 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 takes too long to develop. And yeah, I, yeah. I see Robert Plant maybe doing this with the Honey Drippers. Yeah, okay. I can yeah, see that. good call. Good yeah. call, definitely. I totally see that. <laughs> All right, so I'm in the minority on this one. That's cool. I'm used to that. <laughs> what how about 10 years gone? Where you guys land on that one? Um, hated it when I was young. I really love it now. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I all the music's great in it. Yeah, yeah, I'm right, I'm right there with you. The progression, uh, the guitar really stands out. Um, especially uh um because it's like the riff gets repeated throughout the song but it's a little bit different in different sections but it's it's recognizable the entire way through you know what i mean it, it, it just changes it a little bit enough 
to where the song doesn't get boring. Let's talk about the Rover because this was one that um, at first I was like, what? And then, <laughs> and then, but once I started listening to it, I, the guitar tones throughout the whole song, I think are really, really cool. It's got great guitar textures all through it, I think. Yes. Call. Yeah. yeah. Textures is definitely the way I would call that. The opening riff sounds different than the middle and then there's different tones every time, which makes it interesting and keeps it uh, fresh and it's a good song uh i don't skip it don't love it but it's i the thing that stands out to me is the, are the tones in the, in the song you know this it. one i've got a note this there's two songs on this album that remind me of like old aerosmith this is one of them it just the guitar tone or something there's just something that kind of makes me think kind of almost has an aerosmith you know sound to yeah. it you know yeah, I, I can hear that. kind of funny because when i was listening to it i, I was picking up on it, it's to me it has such a les paul sound versus a stratocast which okay. is you know um the guitarist for aerosmith i can't recall his name right now joe um, perry or brad whitford what yeah it's probably perry yeah. um so maybe that's part of it i'm not really sure but yeah um it, it to me it's just it's 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 a great if somebody wanted to know how les paul could sound this would be the song. <laughs> well, Jimmy, yeah, Jimmy would be the one that you would want to do that with. I mean, now I haven't listened to Night in the Ruts in probably a decade. So, so I could be off, in, you know, on my pick of the album. But it just, this and, the, and there's another song. I, I won't mention it yet till we get to it. But um, just something about it, the vibe or the tone or something just made that album kind of pop out in my head, which I thought was weird because I never really, I don't really think of Aerosmith and Led Zeppelin. Well, I mean, they're together. You know, yeah. Mark, you know what I mean? But that would have been a good show, though. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> older. I mean, I can't stand Aerosmith now, but. Well, yeah. I mean, you're talking Aerosmith, about. Yeah. I love. Yeah. 
Yeah, totally. I would, I would, I would have gone to see that show. Aerosmith opening up for Led Zeppelin. Oh yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I want to talk real quickly about In the Light. Now I know this is one of the more progressive rock songs they have on there, uh, and every time I listen to it, it just kind of felt like a mash of Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd. Yeah. It's almost like two different songs. Yes. Kind of, in a way. Yeah. It's, it starts off kind of, well. Moody. Moody. <laughs> yeah, very moody. And very, uh, I kind of felt like Pink Floyd. Of course, that might just be because I listened to a whole lot of animals last month. <laughs> <laughs> and it's in my brain. And the other night, I was listening to Wish You Were Here. Um, but, uh, and like I said, it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, but... You're right. It does sound like two different songs, and and they're both really good. I think. Okay, well, good because I'm glad you like it. Because I'm I I don't hate the song. I don't. Um, it's kind of in the middle for me. I don't. I didn't skip it. Uh, I I like the sound, but um, I don't. Know, I like the I like the second half of the song better than the end. I guess I do too. Yeah, I would agree with that. All right. What about you, Mike? Where you land on this one? But you know, I, I'm wondering if there isn't a little bit of guess influence on that. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense too. Yeah, actually, that makes a lot of sense. Oh, baby, I just want to show you what I can do. The kiss from every bend in the road. Now, listen. I was believing for you too, honey. Right? As you would for me. Oh, I will share your love. Let me share your love. Ooh, let me share. Let me share your love. Again, you know, John Paul Jones is getting to play keyboards and do more arrangement work. And I just, I, I think this is where finally he might have said, hey, I'm a force in this band as well, too. I'm not just some background bass player. Right. Um, yeah. And it, it, it's funny to me how when Robert Plant and Jimmy Page get together, there's, there's no John Paul. I don't, I'm kind of like... He was an intricate part of this band, and he, I, I think he was a huge influence on this. I would, album. I would argue that he's as valuable as any of the other members of the band. For Amen. Sure. Yeah, yeah, and then, and, then the, and it's kind of sad because I remember, I and I feel so guilty. It's like every time I was trying to write that, I actually had to. I was like John, John Lett, because I keep getting John <laughs> Lett into my head, or you know, John, like wait, Paul McCartney. No, wait, it's what it's it's like. I kept. So I'm like, oh, man, I felt awful because I kept getting his name wrong when I was trying to write things down. <laughs> so, <laughs> and he is one of the forgotten members. You know, I mean, he doesn't get the the spotlight on him. He's not. It's not John Bonham. It's not. You know. And you're right. It's weird why he's not a part of those, you know, uh, reunion shows. You know, when they did him later. You know, so I don't. I don't understand why. I mean, unless like, he I, just didn't want to do it, maybe. which is which is very true because he was upset. Obviously, he was kind of feeling, you know disenfranchised at this point so maybe once they just disbanded it was all he was just done so i want to talk about um 
the the song that I'm going to destroy the name again. Uh, I'm going to try. I actually try. I wrote it down phonetically here. So if I can get it right. <laughs> uh, Braun Er Air, which was named after the cottage uh, where they composed and arranged a lot of Led Zeppelin three, by the way. Um, I love this little acoustic piece. Okay, that's cool. Because I, I think it's a very cool instrumental. But as a guitar player, it really speaks to me. So I was curious about a non-guitar player, you know, even you know, non-musician, what they would think about it. So I think it's, I would think it's probably the. I feel like it's the best guitar performance on the record, my opinion. Just, but it's just, I every time it came on, I just kind of stopped and listened. You know, because there's, it's only like just barely two minutes long, but there, I kind of felt there was a lot going on in there, and it was just super good. Jimmy Page with an acoustic is usually always good. Yeah, and there's a lot of acoustic on this record. Yeah, yeah. I think it. It's to me, it's odd that they didn't put it on Zeppelin three because it, it would fit so well into Zeppelin three. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad that it didn't get thrown out. Period. And they they had this great. They, I think they had the balls to say we're going to cut a double album, and we're going to bring back some songs that we really know have life we just didn't know where they belonged and they kind of made it work it's 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 not it's not a crazy quilt album it's 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 actually put together nicely even though you do have outtakes from other big albums that they had but again you know jimmy page playing acoustic guitar on this is 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 insane good uh let's talk about briefly black country woman it was the b-side actually on trampled underfoot now what do we think about that one uh, once again, another song I didn't like when I was young, but now I really love it. So. Right. Okay. Yeah. Which is kind of becoming a theme with, with Zeppelin and me, I guess. Well, there's and, and Mike and I talked about this when we talked about animals. Sometimes you're just not ready for stuff. You know what I mean? Um, when you're seven years old, rock and roll is awesome. You know, that's all we do. Good. <laughs> I used to like the first couple times I went through, I kind of felt like the second half of the record was lacking. And then by the time I started making my notes, I realized a lot of the songs after uh, Cashmere, I'm like, I really like these songs. These are ones that are sticking out to me more than the than the three that we knew. So. Yeah, it's a great, great tune. Great tune. So 
it's, like it's a good song. I like it. You know, it, it's the album's winding down. And I think to a certain extent, an hour and 20 minutes of rock and groove and Delta blues and everything that's going on. It's it's kind of a nice way to, to trickle off towards the end. Well, I'm um, interested because in, there's there's another one out there that I don't like. And I'm wondering if it's <laughs> all right, the same well, one that you don't like. Um, how about Sick Again? The last song on the record. I think it's probably more underappreciated than it should be. Um, this is the other one that kind of reminded me of a little bit of Aerosmith. Okay. Um, but I really like this song too. Okay. What about you, Mike? It, it, again, it, it's I'm winding down towards the end of this album by the time this song comes on, and I have no issues with it. Uh, it, it fits nicely. It's, it's, it's a nice finish to the album. Um, it, it, Zeppelin could be a really intense band to listen to and two hours of zeppelin is, is a lot <laughs> <laughs> it can be <laughs> yes it can be you know i'm the one you want Well, the thing about this record is um, it takes you to a lot of different places. You know, there's there's definitely some rock and and it slows down enough where you don't um, get overwhelmed, uh, which is nice about this record. And one of the things that grew on me as I started listening to it a lot more, uh, I can honestly say I can take or leave this song. It's it's one of the it's I don't hate it. I don't hate any songs in the record. I can say that. But I this song, I would almost rather just skip it and go back to custard pie. I don't know. It just, like I said, it's kind of forgettable to me. I can see that because I I liked the song when I first got into the record, but I had kind of forgotten about it until I started to listen to it a lot, you know, the entire album again in preparation for this. Right. And I went, oh, yeah, I, yeah, I remember that song. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it wasn't one that I that was in my head all the time. You know what I mean? It's it, it kind of, you know, fell out of my memory until I started listening to that you know, to the whole record again. I, I agree a lot with what Eric just said, as far as, you know, again, it finishes the album up, but it, it's kind of like, ah, oh, I can take a, a, a deep breath and just sigh it out and be like, <laughs> okay, we're, we're done with this album. I mean, not in a bad way, but it, it's, it's, a, it's a long it's a, album. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. is a long album. Yeah. Um, and, and it, it takes you on a, on a nice little trip and stuff like that. But yeah, it's, it's at the end of the, this one here, you're kind of like, Oh yeah, I remember this song now. And okay, let's let's wind it down and, and you know call it a night. Okay, so my least my least favorite song, but it has uh one of my favorite drum parts in it, uh in my time of dying is my least favorite song on this record. And it's part one of the things is it's way too long. And uh, it just takes forever to get going and even when it gets going it just kind of keeps doing it it's uh, the repetition i mean the song could be like four minutes shorter and i would be okay with that so i mean the, like i said once it kicks in there's that uh that drum piece that goes along with the guitar real nicely and that's awesome the rest of the song i'm like i don't care
my least favorite song. What do you guys think? Mike? <laughs> I, you know, I, so it's, it's 11 minutes long. Yeah. That alone right there is, is kind of like... Is that all? Yeah, it, it takes a lot of real estate. It, it, it's a lot of real estate on this album. Especially um, how early it is in the record, too. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. But I'm, I'm with Dayton a little bit. It, they, they could cut it down by three to four minutes easily. I, but, it, it, you know, Robert Plant gets to highlight his vocal range a little bit. Um, it's again the Delta Blues is coming out a little bit on this. Um, I, I'm guessing it's, it's it's Delta Blues influence because it's, it's kind of like a uh, a hymnal, but it's also um, I, I could see you know a, a black musician singing something similar to this in their yeah. version. Yeah. So yeah. Dayton but, was was this written by Bob Dylan? No, uh, <laughs> or, actually, Down by the Seaside was actually inspired uh, by Dylan. This one, no, this one is actually um, Bonham, John Paul Jones, and Plant and Page. All four of them wrote it. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's it's my least favorite song on the album as well. Um, I don't really like Robert's vocals on it, and I don't really like the guitar on it that much. Um, I like slide guitar, but I, for some reason on this song, I just don't like the slide guitar on it. It just kind of takes forever because you guys know me i mean we talk, i don't mind long songs but when it's it's like four minutes or something of kind of meandering around and then it kicks in and even once said when it kicks in which is really awesome i love the drums i love a guitar and then it just keeps kind of repeating itself for way too long i'm like dude just you know <laughs> Let's let's condense this down <laughs> about half the length, and it would be a, a great rock and song. And yeah, you're right, Mike. There's definitely a Delta Blues influence. I I can I can see the you know black musician sitting there, you know, singing along some just like you said. So Waylon, you know, oh my Jesus, you know, meet me on my dying day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's uh, it just it kind of bums me out that the lo- this longest song on here is my least favorite one, and just. <laughs> Uh, and actually, in recent listens, I kept skipping it because I'd already made my mind about it. And I'm like, I don't care if I listen to it another three or four times. It's not going to change my mind. So I'm just going to skip it. Yeah. <laughs> skip. Yeah, it, skip. I jumped over that one a lot, too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, I, 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 To me, it's it, I'm starting to really get into the album. I don't skip it over. I, I, I let that one rock out for me. It, 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 I mean, it is a little long, but then it follows up with Houses of the Holy. You know, so you, again, well, if you're if you've got the tracks, like I listened to it coming in before the interview today on uh, iTunes, um, Apple, you owe me an endorsement. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It is a little long, but then it's part of the album. It it flows naturally for me. Um, But if it's, you know, the, the last song on the first cut, I mean, that's, that was important to them. I mean, they wanted this song to have prominence on the album. My issue is it falls between the Rover and houses of the Holy two songs that are, I think way better and more to the point. So uh, let's get into uh, performances overall um, on this record. So uh, we'll start with the vocal. Uh, which song has plants best vocal performance. Do you guys think Eric, uh, Eric want to go first? Um, I put cashmere just because it's iconic. Yeah. With the whaling and stuff like that. I personally prefer Trampled Underfoot, actually. But um, 
All right. What about you, Mike? I, I'm in agreement with Cashmere being the the I am a golden god. Um, <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yes, you are, Robert, and you just well it right out there, you know. But in my time of dying, I know you guys poo-pooed on that a little bit, but I, Robert, <laughs> he went out uh, and, and man, it's eleven minutes long. It, it's it's that's a lot of vocals to sing for eleven minutes, you know. That's so. <laughs> I I know you guys didn't like it so much, but I, I in my time of dying is is number two as far as his performance on the album. All right. So Cashmere is number one. Yeah, I'm I'm in agreement with Cashmere. Uh, I just kind of feel like every section where he he sings, it just really comes across. Uh, I know in other songs I mentioned how I liked his vocals and it had a lot of feeling, but this one always seems to stick out uh, when I'm going through it. I'm like, man, that's just some that's just some good singing. Okay, so let's go with uh, what's the best uh, guitar performance from uh, Paige? I like Trampled Underfoot as well for guitar. Yeah. And I, with Houses of the Holy being a close second. Um, okay. I, I know that riff on guitar, and it's a really enjoyable riff to play. So that's kind of why I lead that way. But uh, Trampled Underfoot's just got a lot of cool guitar parts in it. Okay, cool. All right. Mike? I'm I'm jumping on the bandwagon here. You guys are just you know saying what I would say. Um, Great minds think alike. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So yeah, trampled underfoot definitely is again. If you if you wanted to highlight Jimmy Page, all right. This you know this is listen to this song. There's other songs from other albums, but this song off of this album would be yeah. This is this is Jimmy Page. Listen to this, and you'll hear Jimmy play. Yeah. All right. All right. I'm still going with the acoustic piece. Um, this, the title I can't say very well, so I'm not going to destroy it again. Um, I, I just really love that uh, two minute instrumental and it's, it's all him. And every time it came on, I, you know, even when I was walking at work, I would kind of stop and just listen to it. And, you know, I mean, yeah, he's, he's, you know, he's great with the electric, but it's just something like, you know, you've said Eric with him and, and an acoustic, there's just something kind of special. And this one, uh, I always looked forward to this track coming on. So yeah. that's why I choose that one. We've mentioned him, John Paul Jones here, uh, best bass performance. <laughs> I feel really bad about this. Because <laughs> I just put, take your pick. It doesn't matter to me. <laughs> um, that's a brilliant answer there. <laughs> the two the two things I liked the most that he played were both on the clavinet. So it wasn't even on the bass. Um but they would be cool on bass too, but he just right. decided to play him on the clavinet. Um, you know, he's obviously a great bass player, but uh, right. when I'm listening to Zeppelin, I'm listening mainly to, I mean, I hate to say it, the other three guys, <laughs> really. <laughs> Which is probably why he doesn't tour with the other two. <laughs> exactly. <anymore. laughs> Which is probably why he got very upset and <laughs> took a vacation. All right. Uh, what about you, Mike? You know, it, it's kind of weird, but it, the way that they merged on in my time of dying, I, you know, that that song to me, they, you, I know you guys, I'm, I'm <laughs> boomeranging back to that every time yeah. I can, I guess. And I'm like, Mike's, you know, Mike's no, gonna, he's going to die gonna, on that hill. That's what the, he's going to. Yes, exactly. I'm like, I'm going to try to get you guys to climb this hill with <laughs> me. But no, I'm going to go fine. back and listen to it with and try to think about it differently because maybe I'm missing something. It, to me, it's just the way, but it's it's like you said with the the guitar riffs with the the bass line underneath it, and then the bass riff going along with it. I mean, it's just 
when they're jamming really good before the album or before the song gets too long, you're kind of like, holy crap, you know, um, he, he's a fast bass player. I, I, yeah. that's the thing I think sometimes people don't recognize is he, he can be a very fast thunder finger bass player. And he's, he's very smooth too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he, he can play really intricate stuff very smoothly. So, you know, it's interesting you say that I will go back cause i I dislike the slide guitar and stuff so much on that that I don't even know if I even paid attention to the bass on that song. So I'll definitely have to go back and you know listen for that. Yeah, because right. um, I kind of I go back and forth on this one as far as which one I like the best. And you know, for whatever reason, um, the stuff I hear on your least favorite song, Boogie. Well, second least favorite song, Boogie with Stew. I just kind of picked up on a few things, and you're and I don't know his performance on there kind of stood stood out to me, but um, okay. so let's uh, it's Bonham's turn. Uh, I'm pretty sure I know Eric's answer. So, yeah. uh, uh, so let's get that out of the way. Best drum performance from Bonham. Wanton song. Yeah. I'm right there with you. It's, but there there's, a, you know, he shines on this album without being flashy. So, but yeah, I think that's, he's just really, really great on that song. You guys might not appreciate this, but I'm on a poo-poo on, on Keith Moon for a second. Sometimes Keith Moon just there's an empty space. I gotta I gotta put a snare in there or something. I gotta I gotta beat right. something really quick. We're very busy kind of yes, player. yes, he was. Uh, no, and, and, and John Bonham played fast, but he the it meant something when he put when he when he tapped on the drum, it was there for a purpose. Or when he hit a snare, it was there for a purpose. And right. The double bass is is that it, it, it it's not him showing off that he can that he can do it. it it's it's this song needed this. I'm putting it in the song, and you're not distracted by it. Yeah. But if you're yeah. if you're listening for it, you're like, wow, holy crap, this yeah. is really good. The fact that he doesn't do it constantly, right? So when he does do it, it's it's even more impactful. I think exactly. Yes. Well, what's even more impressive is actually he did it without the double bass. Yeah, I was going to say that's one foot that's, doing yeah. that. Which He's at his I never was, was able to get it. I was never no. able to get it nearly as good. So the next time you listen to the immigrant song, that's because this is yeah. one of the most impressive things I think I've ever heard. Um, he's playing with the guitar notes and that bass you hear is one foot. I wow. couldn't do it for five or six seconds, probably. And he does it for the whole friggin' <laughs> all friggin' song. Right. <laughs> and, and, the, and to throw out another one that is really good with the triplets, um, uh, Jerry Gaskill from King's X. Great. Very, one of the most underrated drummers of all time. Well, under, right? one of the most underrated <laughs> bands of all time too. Well, yeah, yeah that's true. He, uh, same thing, you know, and there's very, and there's very few that can do that without the double bass. And the fact that Bonham did that frequently, just the one foot man. Now I agree with the wanton song, but like I said, that, that part on, uh, here, I'm going to join Mike for a moment in my time of dying yeah. when it kicks in, Man, I I love the drums there. I love it, love it, love it. So I think we could both all agree on this next question. Uh, is there enough good music to make sense that it was a double album? I say yeah, because there's only a couple tracks that I wouldn't miss, right? If they weren't on it. So and you know, given the era that this album came out in, it it had to be a double LP. You know, yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah. I'm I'm okay with it being a double. Yeah. <laughs> 
it has hints of the white album if you ask me and that there are songs that were resurrected and put on this album that weren't going to see the light of day much like yeah. the white album i think had outtakes right. that's a good shout yeah that- yeah even if you took out in my time of dying and uh for me the sick again there's still plenty of good music on there for a uh for a solid double album so yeah yeah so we're all in agreement Yay. <laughs> so um so any uh any final thoughts, anything you guys want to say about it before we uh before we put a you know stamp on this and send it away? Well you, you hit it on a little bit um about the, the graphic design aspect of it. And as a designer, you know, the the fact that you could slide and it was die cut and it was kind of groundbreaking towards time. It, it again it was breaking another rule. It's like right. No, we just throw vinyl in, in packages. Why do we want to go the extra mile <laughs> and make something intricate? Um, but then the cool thing is, is that um, the actual brownstone um, is featured in the Rolling Stones, Waiting on a Friend. Yeah. In the video, yeah. 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 I did it's read that. the same stoop, yeah, that um, they're all meeting up at. So, so it's, it's kind of a – to me, it's like you should do the Abbey Road, crossing the road <laughs> – and then you should go to the brownstone in, in Manhattan or wherever this house exists and, right. and get a picture in front of yeah. or something. Two great bands. <laughs> right. Right. No, it's uh, I love the, the jacket. Um, Cause like I said, I'd like to play with the changing it out. And uh, yeah, that's so, yeah. what I miss. That's what I miss about records and, and you know, younger people probably don't even get it, but no, <laughs> it's, it was so much cooler to get an album back when I was a kid, you know, especially like a double album that would open up or something or, right. there was, you know, like, um, is it, I guess it's, what is it? Zeppelin three that has where you can, you know, rotate like the, yes. Little yeah. We or whatever, you know, that was, don't do that. David anymore. Bowie's last album actually brought some of that back when he released it on vinyl. Um, oh, really? Yeah. There's the sleeve and the, 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 the jacket, um, the the pack there's like you hold it up to light and you see constellations and different things oh that's cool people are you know he didn't he didn't tell them about these secrets people had to discover them on their own nice um but i, I i'm that's with you cool. it's like <laughs> explaining this to kids you know it's like well we had this thing on the wall that we would walk up to and dial a number which we literally <laughs> dial and then we had these things called vinyl records you know um uh, and People were designers back in the day, and they got to express themselves artistically, musically, and visually with an album, you know, that came right. out and stuff. So, it, yeah, kids miss—they're missing out. So, and I think it's important because um, with everything streaming, everything's so, you know, instant. And with this, it's like you hold it, and there's nothing better than sitting down, putting on the headphones. And looking at the album jacket, you know, looking at the lyrics and looking yeah. at the, all the credits and stuff like that while you're listening to the music. I mean, that's just, I mean, we did that when we were kids and, yeah. you know, it's Our awesome. Kids nowadays are missing out on that and they yeah. don't know it and they don't care. And that's what yeah. takes me off. <laughs> right. I completely I, agree. But yeah, this record, uh, back to physical graffiti, <laughs> this yeah. one, um, you know, like I said, I, it, it uh, grew on me. I liked it ended up liking it a lot more than I expected. Um, I mean, yeah, I owned it because it's a Zeppelin record, uh, 
And I saw it and I'm like, yep, I'm taking that. And I'm glad I did because just like the animals uh, from Pink Floyd, it's, it's, they're just great records and they're nice to listen to. And um, like I said, it was a lot of surprising music on there and totally worth uh, the, the hour and 20 ish minutes you spend with it. It, it, it kind of floors me um, a little bit. And and again, it's like I said, we, we discover Zeppelin and, and things, but I, it's, I discovered physical graffiti and animals probably in 1988, 89. Hmm. And these are albums that you're just discovering now to a certain extent. And, and yep. it's so weird because you are, you're, you're an audiophile. You do appreciate, appreciate music. Um, and I'm kind of like, wow, how did he not discover this before now? You know? <laughs> All right. So thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate you joining me. Uh, so uh, Eric, um, if anybody wants to hear uh, his stuff, check him out. Uh, check out his EPs on Bandcamp, which I have the app on my phone. So you can stream them uh, for free if you have the app. And his uh, videos on YouTube where he talks guitar, which are actually quite popular, which is awesome. Um, so you have to search Eric Jason Brock on both those apps if you want to check out his stuff. So thank you, Eric, for joining me. And to let you know, I am going to choose another song. I'm changing my opening here soon. And uh, I've been listening to your recent stuff, and I, I think I've narrowed it down to like three or four songs that I want to use. So we'll see which cool, one I, I choose. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Thanks for joining. Uh, Mike, thank you. Um, uh, you know, the photographer, artist, and recently engaged. Have you guys set a date? I'm curious. Believe it or not, we're January 1st, 2023. Yeah, all right. There you go. So just from a year from now. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, the idea being we'll be off every January 1st. Right. There, there you <laughs> go. That makes sense. And if I forget my anniversary, I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Uh, uh, so real quick, um, if people want to use your graphic artist expertise where can they find you sure so on facebook imagine design ohio um and on uh, linkedin as well too imagine design ohio awesome awesome all right well uh thanks everybody for listening uh you come this far and you listen to us and if you enjoy what you hear uh please like follow subscribe rate and review on whatever podcast app you're using and recently spotify did add uh the ability to uh rate uh podcasts on there so now, please, fives help us get uh, get around and more people can hear us. So if you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating. That would be awesome. Um, we also appreciate any kind of feedback, uh, good or bad. Uh, hopefully it's uh, good. Uh, but uh, you can find me on Twitter at DockingBay77Pod, uh, Facebook, DockingBay77Podcast, and uh, on Gmail uh, at DockingBay77Podcast.com. Uh, sorry <laughs> gmail.com so uh yeah reach out to us let us know what you think and uh yeah when it comes down to listening to your favorite zeppelin record you know there's quite a few of them watching your favorite movie including the concert movie uh song means the same physical media is better than streaming thank you for listening this has been the docking bay 77 podcast Opening music provided by Eric Jason Brock. Check him out on YouTube and Bandcamp. If you want to reach out to us on social media, we are on Twitter and Facebook at DockingBay77Podcast. Or you can send us an email, DockingBay77Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.